Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good afternoon. I mean, goodness, it's good morning. I keep I keep thinking we're in the afternoon now, but it's a it's eleven a.m. on a on a Tuesday, um, in the middle of May. And so, um, before we get started, I just want to um, begin with our prayer. And um, so, here we go. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray, pray for, for us. us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray, pray for, for us. St. Isidore the Farmer, pray for good us. Good Aggie Day, right? <laughs> That's right. Pray for us. Name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Farmer's fight, right? I'm, that's coming from <laughs> I'm a tea sipper. But anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. So, so I had the opportunity, and we talked about. Except, um, don't don't be farmers fight if you're in Waco or Palestine. Don't don't. Have that's to, all right. Yeah. Just remember, I'm uh, I'm I'm a Longhorn here, so yeah. Take no offense. I just we love our Aggies, but anyway, even if we are. Well, anyway, forget it. I'm, I'm let's just going to go down. So let's not go let's there. Not We're go not going there. Let's not go going there. Let's staying out of there. That. Let's stay on the good path. Uh, <laughs> the narrow path. <laughs> um, anyway, the um, I think that I think that it's funny. I, a couple things happened that I think um, pointed me to this to, to talking about this. Number one. Can I do? Can I ask yeah. you before you really get rolling? Yeah, sure. It's a family show. Yeah. Family update, anything your kids are doing well? Oh, my goodness. Any exciting Oh, thank you very much. News? Yeah, no. Uh, so Madison um, are just finished her junior year at A&M. Um, she currently is on a flight from Atlanta, Georgia to Port-au-Prince, Haiti um, with a group of, I think, another 11 uh, St. Mary's students. Our first... Um, member that's on a missionary trip of that type to leave uh, the country. So keep, keep her in prayers. I mean, we're not going to be in touch with her for a week. Um, it's just a week, but um, goodness gracious, she <laughs> Stephanie went to the doctor with her and the guy went through all the 
po- you know, problems and every, you know, all the shots she had to get and all the medicines she had to take. And so it was a little nerve wracking for, for Steph. So we're, we're praying for protection and for, uh, for that. Uh, Trevor, um, is, you know, being a full grown, uh, as I say, you're adulting now <laughs> going to bed at an early time, not playing, you know, going to work pretty much every day, <laughs> you know, and then, uh, Grayson graduates. We had senior prom this past weekend and, uh, wow. and Grayson graduates and he starts at, at that other school where I went. Um, we went over there and visited on Friday and the triplets will be juniors and goodness gracious. But that gets me to, that gets me, thank you for asking because that gets me to one of the things that happened and and this is an odd this is you'll you'll get a glimpse into the wacky way i think but <laughs> but, but we're you know I'm, I'm teaching two of the triplets took took the driving test and they now have their license the other one didn't fail he just hasn't gotten to the point to take it yet okay but so it's been on my radar you know how do you teach people to drive we i mean i've done it and 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 fortunately I'm five for five in passing and knock on wood. I got one more <laughs> left, good. but, but, um, oh, the first time and, and, um, but anyway, I was driving, we were driving along and I, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like it, young drivers will tend, if they're going on the highway or whatever, you'll still notice their, their car will swerve back and forth because I tell them you got to look at, you got to look out further down the road. Yeah. You know, it'll keep, if you look further down, then you can stay straight. If you're here, you're, you, you start. You cannot meandering. look at the hood of your car. Can't look at the hood of your car. You have to look further out and then see the boundaries further out in order to handle where you are currently. Mm-hmm. So that's one. And then, and then the second, so that keep that image in mind. And then, and then I was asked to, to speak with Arlen Nichols at that, at that, um, together in holiness conference right? about how do you get your, um, spouse and children to heaven. Oh, I thought they were going to, it was about how to get your children to drive. I thought, right. so, okay, no, so it wasn't that it was about how to get your spouse to heaven. Okay. Well, in a, in a sense, linking those two together is a very nice segue. Uh, they, there is some similarity. I think sometimes you have to keep your focus for far enough out so that you, so that you can manage the moment mm-hmm if you ever lose sight of far enough out there, why, why we're in this battle together as a husband and wife, as parents and children, as families, then you can kind of meander back and forth and kind of get outside the lines and have struggles. And, and, uh, I hope that image makes sense to you. For me, it does because, because I think that it's very easy to get, to kind of keep looking down at what's right in front of me right now. And we should do that, but it's always the context is, this is a great Catholic. <laughs> this probably doesn't fall into the theology, but of both. And you, you, you do need to focus on being present in the moment that you're at simultaneously. That's got to be placed in the context of the long-term vision. And that's what I think that the, having that talk um, I haven't been asked to give a 10 minute talk, Boy, you know, talk about a 10 minute talk. You, y'all listen to me all the time. 10 minutes is not hard for me to fill up. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe it's better that somebody limits me to that. But, um, but to try to narrow down, you know, the simple question of, you know, how do you get your 
spouse and kids to heaven. Didn't yeah. he tell you you have twelve minutes? But if you can do it in 10, yeah, no, did I tell you that's right. Yeah, fine. yeah, he was he was. Uh, I did, I did, I did notice that. I mean, they were on a tight schedule and they'd kind of been thrown off by other things out of their control. And um, and when I asked, I said, "Do I have twelve or whatever?" And he, it was clear that he made wanted to make sure that I didn't get to twelve. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Um, and if he'd been on the show with me, which he has a couple of times, he probably knows that that's a, that's a challenge for me. But, <laughs> but, but anyway, the, that, that idea, I think I, Stephanie, I've always talked about, and I know families that have done this have said, you know, we need to have a mission for our family. And I think a mission is kind of that outward looking that, that, that far enough out that everything is kind of gauged by that long term view in the moment. And what was helpful is they asked me to include in this talk, they asked me to include some writings of John Paul II. Well, I mean, you're, if, I mean, you're not in, uh, people aren't in here, but if you look, they're brutalized. I mean, I've gone through them a zillion times, not just, just now, but I mean, I'm holding up a couple of them that are, they're falling apart and, and anyway, have been pretty well marked, pretty well marked up over, over time. And this was done, and I've gone back over it, but, but, but I was, as I was thinking, you know, how do you, how in 12 minutes do you say, how do you get your kids and your spouse to heaven? I'm like, that's like, that's a, that's a, you know, a work of one's life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, it's not a, Hey, here you go. Do this, do this, do this. Check, check, check. You're there. You're in, good. You know, you know? and so when I went back and looked, I found, I found, I found this, um, I found this article that I has always stuck with me, but I, 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 I guess I'd lost sight of it because John Paul II, when he wrote, when he wrote Familiaris Consortio, which is a apostolic exhortation that Familiaris Consortio is Latin. And the way it's translated is it's the role of the Christian family in the modern world, the, the role of the Christian family in the modern world. And so, um, there is a section in it that that is part three and there's this section that just, (laughs) it strikes me as being, he's effectively saying all families, all Christian families have in terms of the long-term view, the same exact mission. And that that goes in line with the fact that we're all called to the same or to holiness. We're all called to union with God. And that sounds like we're all meant to be like cookie cutter. Everybody looks the same, but simultaneous to being called to the exact same mission, to being called to the exact same union with God, to holiness, that reveals itself very specifically, very uniquely in and through the individuals in your family and the family as a whole. So we've got to remember that when, when we're told that every family has the mission or every person has the call to holiness, that doesn't mean that everybody's the same. In fact, what the church says, and by the fact that they've, um, they've canonized so many of the saints, holiness makes somebody ultra unique and unrepeatable, but it becomes very, (laughs) very distinct in who they are and what their mission is. And each of us have a mission and 
the long term is to keep the fact that that is the long term vision. How do we get our spouse and our kids to heaven? How do we get ourselves to heaven? And that is the long term vision in terms of that's where we're going. But the how to is what I think John Paul II in this is giving us in terms of the mission, not specifically like here's what you do, but very specifically in terms of what are you attempting to do in all that you do. And I think it's a good way to kind of keep the keep the lines of the road ahead of you and keep you in the lane. And it's always a good way to, um, I think, analyze or look at any particular say, and, and am I doing this? So with all that, I've, I hopefully I've got y'all wanting to know what the heck <laughs> is that? I'm going to read a couple things that I think are the essence of it. And so John Paul II, one actually comes from, this is where I'll start because I think this is, this is the point of departure. And it really is at the beginning of his pontificate, um, John Paul II wrote an encyclical Redemptor Hominis, so the Redeemer of Man. And at the very beginning of that, early on in the first five or six, maybe seven articles, he has this, he has this line and I think this is just gives a good framework for where we're going to go from here. He says this, he says that man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible for himself. His life is senseless. If love is not revealed to him, if he does not encounter love, if he does not experience it and make it his own, if he doesn't participate intimately in it and all those it's are love so man cannot live without love. He remains a being that is incomprehensible to himself if he doesn't have love revealed to him, if he doesn't encounter love, if he doesn't experience it and make it his own, and if he doesn't participate intimately in it. Okay, so from the very beginning, he, John Paul II, is pointing to Jesus and saying, love itself came from heaven. <laughs> to show what love looks like to point us to what love looks like. And so now using that as kind of a springboard, I think you can look at what he says the mission is. First off, I think this is, this is great. I'm going to, I'm going to do a little, this is, if you get a chance to read it, it's, it's relatively easy to understand for John Paul II. I think you could read this and do it, uh, but I'm going to read just a section here. Um, The role that God calls the family to perform in history derives from what the family is. Its role represents the dynamic and existential development of what it is. Each family finds what finds within itself a summons that cannot be ignored and that specifies both its dignity and its responsibility. And then there's this family Become what you are. He, this, is, this echoes a line where he says, Christian, become what you are. And I think, I think it's important for us. There's a, there's a sense in which we have to understand that faith tells us what we are. We have to trust that that's what it is. I'm a child of God. You're a child of God. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. 
we have to trust both those things as being true. And in this sense, he's saying the family, every family has something that they're called to and that they should become what they are. And so I'm going to skip down a little bit and then this will get us to uh, springboard off into this. And it says, and since God, God's plan and since in God's plan, it has been established or the family has been established as an, and quote unquote, intimate community of life and love. The family has the mission to become more and more what it is. That is to say a community of life and love in an effort to f- that will find fulfillment as will everything created and redeemed in the kingdom of God. So, Life and love. You hear the you hear the echo of the the prayer that we say at the beginning here. I mean that. I mean we we have that echo of mm-hmm. life and love go together, and I think this is ultimately the point. Love. Well, God is love, and the only person who can accurately reveal love to us is who defines love, which is God himself. What happens is, is that love and life get linked together. And like the mystery of parenthood, we've talked about for times that there's a visible and invisible aspect. We have to take what love has been revealed and then manifest it, make it available to make it, um, punchable, make it (laughs) tangible, make it something you can taste feel, smell, because remember, if somebody does not have it revealed to them, does not encounter it, does not experience it, and then does not make it his own, they can't participate intimately in it if they don't have it. So love is it, but it happens within the context of life. And in this case, in the context of your family and my family in the life that is everyday life. That's where love is revealed. And so here it is. This is the role of the family. Uh, This is the mission of every family. Hence, the family has the mission. Everybody ready? (laughs) The mission to guard, to reveal, and to communicate love. And this is a living reflection of a real sharing in God's love for humanity and the love Christ, the Lord for, for the church, his bride. So you hear the living reflection that ties us back to a sacramental sense of that. We're made to make visible what love is. We're meant to make it tangible, something that somebody experiences accurately. So, Guard, reveal, and communicate. We're meant to guard, reveal, and communicate. And I think those are kind of the lines, you know, the, 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 at least the dashed lines that we have to keep ourselves in that lane. So any question that comes up, is this guarding, is this revealing, or is this communicating love? So uh, as, as I typically do, I, took a long time to frame this, but, (laughs) but I think it's important to remember that what we're trying to do, love is invisible because God is the invisible God and God is love, but he 
sent his son incarnate to reveal to us what love looks like, what love is about, how it plays out in day-to-day life. And then it's our job to stay in the lane of that's what our family's for. It's meant to do that. Life comes into this world through our family and that it's in the context of life that love is meant to be revealed. It's in the context of a family that love is meant to be revealed. And if you see that as being the true, the, the way it is, you can understand now why um, the evil one would like families to be destroyed, to like dads and moms to not be garters, revealers or communicators of love. Because if, if they don't, then a person becomes incomprehensible to themselves and again, this is starting, this sounds like very theological, and it is, but the bottom line is, is the way that we Catholics should look at anything is say, what do, what do we know to be true? What do we know to be good? What do we know to be beautiful? And then let's apply it. There are things that all of us asked, they're kind of built in because God, the creator has put them there. And sometimes we forget that. If we just remembered that, then we would act a different way. I don't know if that make that makes sense, but I that I look at it like you know, it's just let's start with the end in mind. Assume that in faith it's true, and then work to to align ourselves with that. Truth, goodness, and beauty don't aren't something that are within that we that's in our own mind it's something it's something that we can see that we can touch that we can feel and that we're meant to conform ourselves to it it's not our creation it's something that god has given to us and we're meant to conform to it what do you think thaddeus i like that as i was reading through some of some of that uh, exhortation in preparation for today and i find myself doing this often now when I encounter that word love, I try to put self-giving in its place or selfless sacrifice or carrying my cross or picking up because, you know, you, that, that English word love, it's, it's really a poor word in, in many ways for what we're talking, what we're talking about, what, Right. Pope John Paul is talking about. Exactly. And um, you need to, you need to make sure that you're, I think I need to make sure that I'm reading that word accurately and really communicating to myself the force of, of what it means and what it's. Absolutely. And I think I'm being called to. Right. And so if that's, that's why particularly in the English language, but, but, but probably across others, I I don't know any other language very well. So I couldn't tell you, I have been told that there are actually words. Love is maybe expressed and broken down. There may actually be different words to mean different types of love. You know, the Mm -hmm. love of a friend, the, Mm -hmm. the love that's to a spouse, the love of a father to a child, you know, all those different types. We don't really have the benefit of that too much. I mean, love is just, it's a generic term, like I said. And I think this gets to part one of this. Part of that is the guard, to guard love. (laughs) I think at least at the very beginning is to guard the definition of love, what love truly means. Now, how does that look? 
we try to correct ourselves and stuff because it's very easy to say, well, I love chocolate or I love crawfish or I, you know, or I love the Aggies or I, you know, whatever. It's very easy to throw the word around because that's what the world does. And then we lose sight when we, it's hard to, well, what does that mean? I mean, yeah. we even fall into it. Our phone number is 85 love red sea. Right. Well, yeah, you know, we could, if we want to break down and say, say, no, I mean, you want to give yourself some, you know. And yeah, we do. Yeah. We, yeah. Some you, some uh, sacrificial uh, giving love to, and giving right. is always, always appreciated. And you can do that at redsearadio.org slash donate. But if you look at that, but if you look at that, that word, I love chocolate, you know, you can give yourself to that. Or, I mean, you can pick anything. Um I love TV or I love, I mean, you just throw whatever's in there and there is a sense in which you can become somewhat, you know, enslaved to it because you're giving yourself to that, not, not, not controlling that and not really putting it in place. Love is meant for really God and for neighbor. That's what it's meant for. It's not meant for things. Um, It's not meant, it's meant for community. Remember you said the family is really kind of the, the seedbed, the, the seminary of source of, of what, where people learn and are meant to learn what love really means, what love really looks like. And I think to begin that, you know, you don't have to go over the top. Okay. You could probably go a little bit too far, but I think it's important to maybe when a word is used, probably even be better as a parent when you catch yourself saying that to point it out to your children Hey, I did, I, you know, I use that. That's really not the way in a, in a, in a time because it, then that way you can start with yourself because if you're like me, it comes out of my mouth because that's what it is. But I think part of guarding it is to do it. So what is love? Love is self gift. It's, it's sacrificial giving of oneself for the sake of another, you know, I mean, those are all different ways, but it, it, it typically, um, includes letting go of something that I want (laughs) that is really not what I'm made for, for the sake of someone else. And so if you think about it, marriage properly understood as a sacrament that, that is a sign of Christ and his church, the bridegroom and the bride, the one who dies to himself for the sake of the other, Ephesians six, that's what, marriage is meant to be and the catechism actually points out, I don't have it here, but the, but, but, but the catechism actually points out that marriage is meant to help get rid of our selfishness. It's meant to help us overcome those things that we hang on to that we shouldn't hang on to and to focus on being in communion with your spouse, being in communion with your, with your children and, when you see it that way, that it's not something like that we're just doing. It's something that, that God in his grace and a sacramental marriage is actually impacting each of us. And ultimately, if you're going to get your family, you got to remember it's God's grace first that does that. So allowing ourselves to give ourselves away freely and give up things. So what does that look like? I mean, I don't know if you can think of any, I can think of things. I mean, I was a, I am a huge football fan, you know, (laughs) 
And there were plenty of times when early on, you know, that took precedent over whatever was going on. There actually was a time not too long ago, post even post conversion where Texas was playing a really big football game and there happened to be a birthday party, not for my kids, but for somebody else's party. And I'm like, why the heck would they put a game, you know, put a birthday party during that y'all go, I'll come after. Um, I should have gone <laughs> when I, when I went, I should have, I should have said, let that go. I, I always say, and God even provides, you know, TiVo for, <laughs> it's a God given gift for people like me that can, that, you know, you can tape it and, and, and try not to find out what happens and then go and be there. I'm just kidding. But, but, um, but I mean, that's where it practically looks. My kids saw somebody saying, okay, football is more important than the people. Football is more important than I am. By what? By my actions. By I've made this choice. I'm not going. Y'all go ahead and go because of this. So that's a case where I did not reveal <laughs> um, love truly to my kids. I did not reveal self-gift to my kids in that. So I think each of us might could probably find a moment like that in there. So anyway. So guarding it is to, to protect it, to show them what it's for. I think it's important in terms of guarding it is to, is to, and this is what happens when you have kind of where we are in sexuality and, and this, it kind of bleeds over. There are types of love, you know, there's understanding that there is a love between a parent and a child and a child and a parent. There's a, that, that's different. Not in the general definition of making a sincere gift of oneself, but in how that plays itself out. That's different than how a husband and wife that plays out. That's different than, you know, an old friend of mine plays out or a, a, an elderly person or a little baby. They all look, they all are going to look a little bit different based on, on that, even though the same term can be used and I mean, same understanding of, am I doing what is sacrificial? Am I doing what is best for the other? Even if that means something that I have to give up or something I have to sacrifice. Hmm. Any thoughts? No, just keep, keep unspooling your ideas. So, So I'm just saying, so practically what happens is you, you have to, you have to guard the word and make distinctions as they come up. All right. There, this world would have you say that, that the ultimate expression of love is the marital act, for example. No, it is a specific (laughs) type of expression Mm -hmm. that is meant for man and woman because at that, in that, in that act, life and love, have the capacity of coming together in one, you know, the, the union and the life giving. That does not mean that my love for my old friend, you know, that I, that I've known since, since I was in fifth grade, that's not a marital act type of love, but I still love that person. I would do, if they had problems, I would still go and do it. And so you have to, I think as they come up 
And particularly as they grow up, what I'm finding is, is that in high school, there are things they're being exposed to at a public high school that, that I never have. So there's always opportunities to say love and sex are not, they are, they are not interchangeable. <laughs> you know, this, that, that, that act that, that you, it, is a specific expression in the context of a specific type of love, which is the family. We have to make sure that we make those distinctions as they get older. This is not a conversation you have with a five-year-old, but it is one that you probably have sometime 13, 14 when, when appropriate. I mean, I'm finding all too often (laughs) that it comes up all the time, you know, that that's, that that's meant that, 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 things come up and you have to say that's that is not the ultimate expression of love to give one's life away to die is what Jesus no greater love is this to die. Well, I could die for my friend. I could die for my child. I I could die for my spouse. I mean, I hope I, I would, but that's a greater thing to lay down one's life than that act. And I think this world tends to equivocate to say those are the same thing. The highest form of loving somebody is that. Therefore, if a guy loves a guy, that that act. If a girl, you know, that's not the way it is because mm-hmm. because of this. So, guarding it is not allowing the world to take it away. And how do you do that? Just like I said, you walk along with your children. You you you, you remain in con in contact with them and in communication with them. And when something comes up that's confusing, it could be a it could be um, it could be a news thing that they've heard. It could be something that y'all both are watching and something comes up on a show that, you know, I'll get caught off guard all the time <laughs> now. Like what the heck, you know, how that, I mean, stuff that I never would have thought would have happened. Those are the moments to take a moment and, and talk as appropriate based on where the child is in terms of making those distinctions. Because if we don't make those distinctions and guarding love, and its definition and what it looks like and how it expresses itself. If we don't do that, then our kids are going to go out and just going to accept what the world gives it in terms of what its definition is. Yeah. So again, antennas up parents. I mean, you've got to be paying attention to what's going on. What are they being exposed to? What are they, what are they seeing? What are they hearing? Um, and, listen and then, or what are they watching and listen and then be ready to respond with, this is what love is. And that can take different forms in terms of how it expresses itself. So anyway, that's part of guarding it. Revealing is the stuff that happens every day. Are you characterized as a, as a parent by doing that thing that, that, that everybody knows you don't like doing, but you're going to do it for the sake of your wife, for the sake of your husband, for the sake of your children, cleaning the dishes, you know, picking up the poop in the backyard. Um, what does love look like? How was it revealed? It's re- we've got to get past this. I mean, it's great to watch, you know, love stories or, or these very heroic acts and we should be willing to do that. But the reality is, is that you can reveal love day after day by your response. Dad, I need help with homework. I'm busy watching this basketball game. I really do need your help. Okay. 
click (laughs) and then go and spend time with them. What is that? I'm letting go of something, giving up something that I'd like to watch if I could for something really better interaction with another human being, not with a TV for their good because they're asking for it because they need your help. That's what love is. That's how it looks. It's pitching those pennies into that box we've talked about. It's all those acts over time of does dad show up? Does mom show up when I need need him? Or is he characterized by wait until after this? Now, again, I'm not saying that every time they don't. And we've talked about this. You know, every time you, you can you can talk to them in a way and explain, Hey, is now absolutely imperative because this is a really big point in this game. Why don't you come watch it with me and we can share this. And then whenever that's finished, I'll go do it. Is that something, is that okay with you? I think that's a conversation, but again, you're inviting them. That's another thing. You're inviting them in You're It's even a way of giving yourself away. Or yesterday, Robin came home and one of the children had a question about something, needed help with something. And, you know, she just had stepped in the door and the child is up right. asking for help. And I interjected and I said, hold on a second. Let your mother come in and put her bag down and, you know, maybe go to the bathroom and just kind of get settled at home again. And then you can come ask her. Right. To help you. Because that's, they also need to, them learning to discipline themselves and, and be patient, be considerate. That's all them learning how to love. That's all them learning how to be self, self-sacrificial and absolutely thinking of the other first rather than themselves. That's part. And then that's so perfect. You've got to find, it's always constantly finding that balance, that appropriate balance. Absolutely. Because remember, they've got to experience it. But they have to make it their own and they have to, the, the end is they have to participate intimately in it. So what you're trying to do is get your children to think, I, I know I'm hungry what's for dinner or I know I need this help. And, and the first thing out of your mouth to discipline yourself to say, hey, I've got something for you, but what, what can I can I get you a drink? I know you just came home. Can I I mean, to start with what do you need mm-hmm. before I ask for what I, and that that's a very simple thing you can teach to young kids. I mean, very young to sit to not, 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 you know, not the two year olds, but, but certainly the five or six year olds. And that's something you coach and counsel. So like if you're home on a Saturday as a, uh, as a husband and your wife is out and she's been working or having something that she's had to deal with her night, whatever it is coaching. Hey, you know, your mom comes home. I mean, even, Look, you know how much she likes the 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 uh, kitchen clean. Why don't Why don't we do that for her? I mean, why don't you and I help do that so that we can surprise her? Because that'll mean a lot to her. Right. Those are type of things that you you coach and counsel so that they experience it, and then you might even, especially with younger kids, you know, tell the wife, "Hey, we're going to do this," and they and they helped. It might help if I mean there can be some cord some choreography (laughs) of things to get the point across. But that's again, parenting purposefully. It's saying we have to, the family is meant to reveal love and that's both in terms of how we respond, but the children can't begin to think that they're the center of the universe either. 
they have to recognize that there's a time for them to make a sacrifice for mom and dad. There's a time for them to wait for what they want. And so we have to consciously and constantly, but it happens in the day to day. It happens in moments. It, it's, they're small things, but if you keep it, like I said, if you keep the, the eyes far, far enough out, you can say, am I guarding? Am I revealing? Am I helping them to make it their own love? And this is what love looks like. And they're going to learn it from receiving it from us. But then to make it their own, you got to give them opportunities to do it. And, you know, when you have brothers and sisters, little brothers and sisters is even more. You can pull up alongside the older one and say, man, you know how much it made me? I can help them with this, but you're their big brother. They look so much up to you. It's different. And, and, and again, coach, hey, why don't you spend 15 minutes or 10 minutes throwing the ball with them or something like that? Again, mm-hmm. they have to have seen it in you already. <laughs> And then, but, but you're, you're, you're wanting to make it their own. So you're revealing it in that way. So again, this is, I mean, I, we're talking about extremely small, everyday, ordinary things, right? And we're tying it to this very lofty, like theology. That's why the show exists because it's meant to be that way. It's meant to be that this everyday ordinary stuff is exactly life. Everyday ordinary life is exactly where love takes place. And we have to see it that way. We have to have Catholic eyes, Christian eyes of what it looks like. And so if you are ever at a loss for that, every good Catholic and I think every Christian should have a crucifix up there with the body because if you can't express it, you can point to a crucifix and say, that's what love looks like. <laughs> that's what love looks like because we were lost and now we're found because he was willing, even though he didn't deserve it, to give up his life for our sake because he knew that without him doing that, we could never do it. We could never get there and be with him that's something that happens. We're not, we don't have to have a theology uh, class every day. It can just happen even without explanation. Mm -hmm. I mean, just do it. Don't always link it. And then at another time down the road, say, Hey, remember when you did this, when you're sitting around, that really made me happy. And you see how much it is that how to make you feel because they need to begin to feel that they're made for self giving that's one of those things, you know, there's, there's things at the heart and that's, that's where John Paul II really taught me a lot from, from reading him is we already kind of know how we're built because God has revealed how we're built. So what are the questions that everybody has? Why am I here? What's the meaning of my life? Why is this happening to me? Those are, you know, why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? All those things are questions that every human asks. They're at the center. What am I made for? Why am I here? The answer is you're made to love. You're made to give yourself away. And the family is where, as parents, as brothers and sisters, we're meant to operationalize that, show it concretely that it happens in the little things. It happens in the moment to moment. And 
you know, it also comes back to that very traditional statement from the Baltimore catechism in this country, um, that we're made to know, love and serve God and be happy with him in heaven forever. Did you read my notes, man? Cause I, cause that was actually what I, what I said. I said, that's how do you come to know God? If you don't see it, you know, St. John, when he's talking about love says, says, how can one who does not recognize God and who, who is not seen how, without recognizing him and the people that come in contact with us? I mean, basically if you don't recognize God in your brother and you don't recognize love towards your brother as that, then you can't love God. He, the, he, they make the link. All of them do. If you look at it, I mean, Jesus in the final judgment, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's always linked to that person we come in contact with. W- when I was hungry, you didn't feed me. When did we not feed you? Well, when you didn't do it to the least of these, he, God is linking himself the incarnation points to it. He's linking ourselves to that. So we have to reveal it. So I would say guard is kind of protecting the language and defining and making distinctions over time as they happen. Revealing is actually living it out. Mm-hmm. Communicating is that next step of kind of pointing it out over time, you know, expressing it, not all the time, please. Cause Kids will get like, oh, seriously, but, but there are things. My kids know the definition of a sacrament. Everybody who's ever spent any time with me knows the definition of a sacrament. Why? Because I think it's important to know that there's this visible and invisible reality that are colliding in the everyday and that that's where grace comes from. And to be Catholic and not understand that is to be lost because that's at the center of it. So to communicate it is to make those connections for them as they go through, not to be afraid to talk, oftentimes to do the act, to encourage the act without any explanation, and then coming back after successfully accomplishing it, saying, that was so beautiful. You were like Jesus today in that moment. You know how? You gave up something. You did something for the sake of somebody who needed you. That's what happened on the cross. That can happen separately. That can happen at a different time. In fact, it's probably more effective if it happens, but you've got to be a judge of that, but you have to communicate that. And then ultimately we cannot lose sight of this. We have to teach them that we need grace and that objectively grace occurs in and through the sacraments. If you want to be, a lover, if you want to be filled with love, then we have to go and recognize that God is giving himself away. It's not just our um, willpower that is doing it. To be the type of lover, to, to reveal and to communicate the type of love that Jesus is doing it, we need to tap into or allow his sacraments to do it. So again, why is that important? Here's how you communicate it you talk through and help them understand what the sacraments are. You help them understand, okay, when we look at Jesus, we are looking at God and everything that he did, everything that he said, 
was meant to reveal something about this invisible God, that he's the second person of that Trinity. He's sharing that with us. He's saying, you be another me. Right. But I'm not just telling you to do this. I'm going to give myself to you and empower you to do it. So when mom and dad get married inside of a sacrament and they're and they're and they are a living sacrament, then it's the grace that helps us to not say, hey, why don't you get out of bed and take care of the kid tonight when I'm sick and instead say, hey, I'll do it not as a martyr, but as a sharer in that supported by grace, you know, it's not just, it's a, it's participating in the life of God. And so we need that. So we need to go to confession and receive God's forgiveness and the grace that comes with that. Recognizing when we don't act like Jesus, that's how it needs to be framed. And that Jesus is made present in a priest who doesn't look like any picture of Jesus I've ever seen, yet he's there. Jesus is present in what looks like a piece of bread. Those are all things that we can tie back into. Jesus is present in your little brother. Doesn't look like him, doesn't act like him, but there he is. That's the way that we have Catholic goggles on, your Catholic sunglasses, is We have to, if we're going to guard, if we're going to reveal and we're going to communicate love, the best place to start, and it's why I've done it, is the sacraments. Because the sacraments show that God doesn't always appear in the way that we'd like him to, (laughs) in the way that we think he ought to. That's why St. Teresa of, uh, St. Mother Teresa of uh, Calcutta says to find, you know, one of her prayers talks about finding Jesus in his distressing disguises. Well, what are those distressing disguises? The little kid who is really acting like a not so nice kid that happens to be my son. There's his distressing disguise in the husband who doesn't leave the football game. Can you still love him there? The distressing disguises happen all throughout. We miss him constantly. So to reveal and communicate, we have to recognize him, I think, and do it. But start with the sacraments and say, this is the way Jesus shows himself in what looks like a piece of bread, very ordinary. And what is a piece, what is a cup of wine? Very ordinary. In a priest, very ordinary. In your brother, in your sister, in your mom, and in your dad. That's a way to do it. And then that love is that self-giving of ourselves for the sake of that person who is Jesus. So we become Jesus because they remind us of who Jesus is. I know we're at the end here. So anyway, um, I would say that we, if we had, if we had to, I would, I would go to John, uh, first John as, as of the God is love and, and, uh, first John, um, three, one, see what love the Father has given us. So First John uh, 3, 1, I think is a good one because we're meant to see that. So anyway, um, we're, at the, uh, we're at the end here and I um, hope it was, it was helpful. Pray for us. We'll be praying for you. Steph will be back next week as we go through. And um, anyway, God bless you and make love uh, real for your kids um, and one another. So always remember, uh, pray, 
parent with purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trent